of 1 Corinthians. We're going to spend a lot of time in Corinthians tonight, or spend some time in Corinthians tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 9 and 10 is where I want to take us here tonight. Paul is, is writing here and writing to church in Corinth and says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I love that, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I, I'm an apostle. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I was the one, I, I was the one who was persecuting people like this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Amen. Tonight, I I just want to talk to you on a subject that has to do with many of our daily lives. And it's two principles that should be present in our lives. And they are grace and what I'm going to call grit. Grace and grit. Amen. I don't have a a handout for you tonight, but if you want to take notes, you can try to Try to do so if you have something to take notes on. Amen. I just want to share what I feel the Lord is wants to speak to us tonight. You know, the Bible, the Bible gives us many, many instances, some balancing principles. Like faith and works. These these two things, faith and works, they're they're not enemies. These are not two. Uh, principles that uh, are fighting against one another, they, they, they work in conjunction with one another. The Bible, it tells us that, that faith without works is dead. And there's, those aren't the only balancing principles you could look at. Uh, you could look at spirit and truth. I think there's, there's a lot of churches that, that they will kind of veer to a ditch on one side of the road or the other when it comes to spirit and truth. You may have, you know, a church that has a whole lot of spirit but not much truth behind it, or it's possible to have, to have the truth and just to be dead, have no spirit, and to, have, to be a dead environment. We don't want either of those. Amen. You know that here, here at New Life, we strive to have this and that, not this or that. We strive to have both faith and works. I want spirit and truth. And in the same fashion, it's not grace or grit, but it's grace and grit. So in just in an an abbreviated kind of form, a, a definition that we could put to grace is grace, I would say it's it's the strength that comes to us in our weakness. It's the strength that that God give, gifts us, not just not just gives us. It's a it's a gift. Grace is a gift. God He grit He gifts us things. It's you know there, I've heard many times 
this definition that people say for grace, and I, I think this is it's true, but it's more than just just this. People will say that grace is the unmerited favor of God. And it is the unmerited favor of God. But it's, it encompasses more than just what I would think of as favor. We'll, we'll get into some of that here in just a little bit. But what about grit? Grit, I could just say, grit is effort. I'm going to drill deeper into these two ideas as we move along tonight. But let's just keep it at that. Grit is the effort that you put into it. So, grace and grit are these balancing principles that, that we have given to us in the Bible. But they, they also kind of create some tension in our lives between what God does and what we do. You know, how, how is it that we rely on God uh, to do things in us and for us? And, you know, what is it that God is depending on us to do? Well, you know, something that we bring to the table. What is it that, uh, you know, that, what is the grit that we bring to God? And, and there's, there's gotta be both of these things. There's things that God gives us and helps us to do things, but there's also an expectation that we bring something to God, and that's the grit. You know, where does, where does faith stop and where does works start? How do you balance spirit and truth in your personal life and in church life? You know, what, what is the role of grace and grit in serving God and doing ministry in the kingdom of God. What is, where, how do these two things work with one another? So let's, I just want to look at this passage that we were at, 1 Corinthians 15. And just after this, these verses that we read, uh, Paul, he gets into the resurrection of the dead. The apostle Paul, he opens, opens this chapter, uh, before that, he's, he's talking about the resurrection, I'm sorry, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He opens this chapter by saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. In fact, if you ever just come to somebody and, you know, want to, want to start explaining to them or, or feel, you know, it's an opportune time to, to explain to somebody the gospel, uh, and what, what they need to do to be saved right here. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great place to start because uh, it's 15 verse 1 and 2. I start there often. Anytime that I just talk to somebody about salvation, this is where I start a lot of times just because it talks about this is the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And we live that out through repentance, through baptism, and the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. But he starts this out, he starts out this chapter by talking about that, about the resurrection, and then he transitions, uh, he transitions in, into talking about how Jesus revealed himself, um, about all these different people that Jesus revealed himself to after his resurrection. He says he revealed himself to Cephas, that's, that's Peter, to the twelve, and then to five hundred brethren, Many of which at that time were still alive. And, and James, all the apostles, and then Paul said, last of all, he appeared to me. As one born out of due time. And I kind of like, you know, it's an interesting phrase that he uses there. It's, you know, I'm, I'm one that was born out of due time. He's saying, this is, a, it was in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 15. It's, 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 if he's saying, 
It was like Jesus is saying, oh yeah, there was, there was one more guy that I meant to get to. You know, this, this guy was, you know, he should have been here while I should have visited him while I was still on earth, but, but I, I'm in heaven now, but I still need to reach this one guy, Paul. And so Paul says, I'm like the one that was born out of due time that it's like Jesus missed me as he was, he, you know, he met all these people after his resurrection, but he didn't, he didn't come to me. But yet when he was in heaven, he knocked me off my high horse on my road to Damascus and he spoke to me and he got a hold of me. Come on, and I, I'm not worthy of this. And what he says, this is verse 9. He says, I'm not even worthy. I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Because his reason is because I was the one that was persecuting the church of God. I was the one that was persecuting these people that were the apostles. You know, everyone, everyone has a past. Every single one of us in this place has a past. I've learned in, in serving people that many people, they feel disqualified, you know, un, unworthy of doing anything for the kingdom of God because of their past. And it may not be, you know, may, maybe for you it's not this, this past of deep immorality or crime or you spent time in prison or any of that. But, but all of us have things that we regret from our past. We've all had failure in our lives. You know, some, some of us more serious than others, but, uh, but because Satan is the accuser of the brothers, and then he's, I believe he's an accuser of the sisters, that uh, every one of us, we, we struggle with this feeling of like, I, I'm not good enough. I got a past. You know, because everyone has failures. Many people, uh, they, they struggle to believe that God could ever use them. And, and by the way, I, I just want to pause for a moment and say that, that tonight, tonight my, my goal is that you would realize that I have a purpose, that God wants to use me. God wants to do something in me. And that if he saw fit to, have, to show me grace, then I don't want to waste that. You may have a past tonight. We all have a past. And maybe your past doesn't seem like it was very long ago. But it's in the past. That's the beautiful thing about the present. Is that your present right now is separated from your past. That was yesterday, today, Come on, earlier today, that's all in the past now. So let's just let God begin to work in the present and to give us a hope for a future. Because I don't, I'm done with the things that are in the past. And I'm ready to move forward and allow God to administer some grace to me so that I can go and to begin to serve him and to do something in the kingdom of God. Amen. I believe that God wants to do some of that here tonight. We're going to just allow God to do a work here tonight. Amen. Frequently, I think when Paul, when he mentions God's grace on his behalf, he, he talks about his past. We see this in several of his books that he writes in Galatians, Philippians, First uh, Timothy. He mentions um, the fact that that what he felt for him, he felt like, and this should have been a deal breaker. It should have been a deal breaker 
that, that I could not be used by God because I killed people that were, or I stood at the feet of the, of them when they were, when they were stoning Stephen for worshiping God. I, I was there and I was throwing people in prison and, and so that they could go and they could be put to death because they worship Jesus. He said, that, that should have disqualified me from anything. I, I should be unworthy of doing anything for God. And he says it here in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. He says that I, I was the one, my sin was that I persecuted the church of God. How could God use someone who tried to destroy the church? That was his question. When he was first converted, we know that, he, you know, he was even rejected by many of the believers at that time. They didn't believe that he had a change of heart, that, that he had turned his life over uh, to the, you know, to serving Jesus Christ. But in, in verse 10, 1 Corinthians 15, he, he then talks about this tension of grace and, and what I'm going to call tonight grit. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul, he said, whatever I do, whatever I am in my life, it's because the grace of God was given to me at one point in my life. But then he says, this grace which was given to me that was bestowed on me was not in vain. He says, God didn't waste his grace on me. <laughs> God didn't waste his grace on me. When he met me there on that road to Damascus, that wasn't a failed investment on God's part. That wasn't a failed intervention. That when God showed me grace, when that was bestowed on me that was not done in vain Paul said when God gave me his grace I didn't just sit down and do nothing but when God gave me something that that I could not get myself he says and I'll continue but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me what's Paul saying Paul says, when God gave me grace, this was, a, this was a good investment on his part. He didn't just throw it away. He didn't give it to someone who's not going to do anything with it. It's, it almost seems as if he's, he's bragging in, in a sort of way. But he's saying, you know, I, I brought something to the table. I, gra- I added some grit to the grace that God bestowed on me. And I went and I worked harder than anybody else. I mean, is he saying, I worked harder than Peter and James and John? Is he saying, I worked harder than Andrew and Philip or Bartholomew and Thomas? I worked harder than Matthew and, and Ju- Simon and Judas, the brother of James. And I worked harder than Matthias, the one that was added to the 12 after Jesus resurrected. Is that what he's saying? I worked harder than all of them. That's exactly what he's saying. He's trying to tell you that even though I'm not worthy, even though I'm less deserving than all of the other apostles, even though he appeared to me as one who was 
born out of due time. I want you to know that God didn't waste his grace on me. I worked harder than anybody else. I put some effort into this. And it's because of God's grace that he showed me that I realized, God, I'm not going to waste the opportunity in this second chance that you gave for me in life. God, I'm going to work. And I'm going to continue to labor for you. God, there's not, there's not going to be anybody around me that's going to outwork me. There's not going to be anybody around me, God, that, that is, 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 uh, is going to outpace me in this. God, I am going to put in every ounce of energy that I have to do work for your kingdom. God, I am not going to waste the fact that you came and that you saved me from my sins. God, that you changed my life. God, I'm not going to let that go to waste. So here's what Paul's saying in that verse. It was grace and it was my effort. And then it was grace again that made it all work. Because he says, he finishes it up. He says, not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So if you look up that definition that many people give for grace, or said that they'll a lot of people, they say it's the unmerited favor of God. Scripturally, I'd say that grace is, is more than just favor, but, but grace is, is power. Grace is it's the energy of God. It's, it's, I, and I can show you in Scripture that, that it's, it's one thing to have favor on you. It's another thing for Him to give you power. And you could say that, that every time that God shows grace on you, it's, it's a gift that God would give you. This is a gift. Grace is a gift. It's something that you don't deserve. Grace, grace. It is. It's. Uh, it's more amazing than just just favor on your life. This is something that that God would give you in a time when uh, when you are desperately in need of it. Grace, according to Titus, he teaches us that you need grace in order to live a holy life. Grace is strength. The Apostle Paul, he said, it comes, grace, it comes to us in the midst of our weakness and it gives you strength. We'll, we'll look at that verse in 2 Corinthians 12 here in just a minute. But, but grace, it's, it's, it's God's part of the equation that, of what he does in our life. I mean, anybody in here ever felt the grace of God in your life? That when you were like at a place in your life and you, and you said, I, I can't go anymore. I mean, you're thankful that, I'm thankful that there was grace uh, that was, that he showed me at the, at one point in my life, well, at, at the very beginning, there's, you know, None of us deserve to have our sins washed away. None of us deserve to have the penalty uh, of sin taken away. But God saw fit that we would have it removed from us. He gave us enough grace to do that. But I'm also thankful that he shows me grace and things that I don't deserve that God would step in and he would do it for me. Paul, he said, I obtained mercy in spite of my persecution, I, in spite of, of being a blasphemer, in spite of being injurious, all that. It's, he's speaking that all that in First Timothy. He's writing to Timothy there. And he's saying, it, he says, I obtained mercy or I obtained grace. But, you know, in spite of the fact that, uh, that I was a blasphemer, that I injured people, that I was the one that was persecuting people, God showed me grace. I know I'm kind of easing into this a little slow tonight, but we're, gonna, we're going somewhere. I believe that God wants, wants to, to help somebody tonight to realize that, that you have grace for a reason. 
that God has given you grace for a reason. When Paul, when he talks about his life before Christ, even though he blasphemed God because he did it ignorantly and in unbelief, God forgave him of all that blasphemy that he, he was speaking. Paul said that the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant and full of faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what God's grace is like. If you're here tonight and, you're, and you've never experienced God's grace, if you've never had your sins washed away, if you have never experienced a born again uh, moment in your life, I, I want to tell you that there is nothing like that moment of grace. There is nothing like that moment of grace. And I, and I go back to that to thank God that he showed me grace. He bestowed grace on me. Amen. God is faithful. And that is just exceeding abundant above anything that we could ask. Anything that we could really deserve. But God showed it to us. Here's the thing. He didn't show it to, to you when you got better. When you got everything worked out in your life. And then he says, okay, now I'll show you some grace. And you don't go to the hospital when you have finally gotten better and you're all healed up. You go to the hospital when you're sick. You go to the hospital when you have an injury. You go to the hospital when you need stitches or you, you, got, you got some things that are wrong in your life. So, so God, God's the same way. He's not expecting you to get everything all fixed up so that then you can, he can come and he can show you grace and he can fix you all up. That's not what God's waiting for. It says, while I was yet a sinner... God came and he saved me. God came to save those who are lost, those who are messed up. That's who God wants to show grace to. In fact, that is the avenue in which grace begins to flow. And God begins, he's attracted to those who are broken. Grace is attracted to the broken. It's attracted to the ones who need saved. That's what grace is attracted to. So if you're thinking tonight, I need to get everything all worked out before God can come and save me or show me grace, you have it all backwards. God, he wants to come and just show you grace right now in the midst of your brokenness. So if you're here tonight and you're saying it's all about grit and me trying to just do all the work on my own and get everything worked out and then maybe God can show me favor and I can get salvation and then I can start my walk with God. No, don't start with grit. Realize that God wants to show you grace in the midst of your brokenness. I'm kind of preaching tonight, but. But God, he, he wants to show you some, some grace right now. And, and there's somebody here tonight who you've been trying to, to do some things and to work some things out in your life when the reality is God just wants you to come to an altar and begin to pour yourself out to him and say, God, I can't do this anymore on my own. I've been trying to do this and this and go to this meeting and that meeting and this counselor and that counselor to try to get all this figured out in my life. And God says, just come to me. I have enough grace for whatever situation you're going through. I have the answer for everything that you are going through. So don't run the other way when you fall down on your knees or when, when you fall down and you trip up in the midst of trying to get better. Run to me. Run to me. Don't run away from me in that moment. Run to me. 
That's what God's saying. Amen. Paul writes here when in, in, in Corinthians, he's saying that God showed me grace. And when he showed me grace, he didn't waste it on me. So then I, I, I put work in. I labored. We could see, we could see how Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 9, he, he speaks about how grace is, is the strength that's given to us. Verse 7, he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Okay, he's... He's saying, you know, there was, there's, there's this thing. I don't know, he doesn't tell us exactly what it is. I, I assume that the original audience that he was writing to, that church, that they kind of knew. Uh, they, they probably knew if they had met him, you know, what it was. It seems to, you know, maybe be some kind of a physical malady, something that he was dealing with. And he says, three times, three times I came to God and I said, Lord, this is enough. God, I can't take it anymore. Three times I came to him and I said, God, I've had enough. I can't take this thorn in my flesh. And the Lord, it doesn't say this exactly, but this is the essence of what God said back to him. He says, yes, you can. You can take it some more. Paul said, Lord, Lord, you've got to heal me. This is killing me. Heal me. And the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. In verse 9, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I want you to see the, the correlation there. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Really, he's given us two synonymous phrases there. Grace is sufficient. Strength is made perfect and weakness. And here's the thing that I want you to see that grace, it does not flow to strength. Grace flows to weakness. So when we confess our weakness to God and our need before God, we become a candidate for the grace of God. When you come to Him and say, God, I am weak, I am broken, here I am, I'm, I, I, I can't do anything else. That's what Paul was doing. He's saying, God, here I am. I, 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 need, I need this taken from me. And God says, I see your weakness. Let me show you grace. That's why Paul could be saved when he was the chief of sinners. That's how he labeled himself as the chief of sinners. And that's why he could be saved as the chief of sinners because that's where grace goes. It goes to sin. Grace goes to weakness. The Bible, it says, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't trust in the armor of your flesh. Don't trust in the things that you can bring to the table because that's never enough. But grace, it comes flooding into your life when you desperately need it. See, Paul, I believe he's clear in giving credit to the, gra- to the grace of God in his life for everything that he was, everything that he had done. And he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay, he's, 
you'll see a couple times where it seems as though maybe he's bragging on his own achievements, but he never does so without balancing it out with saying, the grace of God is what brought me here. And here's what I think is amazing. What I want somebody to take here tonight is that Paul, he saw grace as a catalyst for his efforts. It's, the grace is what gave him the strength to do what he did. When it seems, it seems as though, he, did, he doesn't say this exactly, but it seems as though Paul is implying that sometimes God gives grace and it's a waste. Because what, what he said was, God, when you gave me grace, it was not in vain. When you gave me grace, it didn't go to waste. You would seems to be he's implying that sometimes God gives grace and it just goes to waste. Because the person who is the recipient of that grace brings nothing to the table. Paul, he said, when God gave his grace to me, it wasn't in vain. It wasn't for nothing. I took that gift of God's strength in my life, of deliverance, of, of, of salvation, of strength in my weakness, of the ability to endure the thorn of my flesh, all these other things that I was able to endure, these things that, that grace helped me to do. And then I brought something to the table that made my life different. I labored more abundantly than they all. I brought some grit to the occasion. I brought some grit. So I want to talk about what Paul brought and what we must bring in our relationship with God because grace by itself isn't the full equation for what it takes to succeed in living for God. I believe it takes more than just grace. You need grace, but it takes more than just grace to really succeed in living for God. Okay, so I'm using this word grit uh, here tonight, hopefully kind of just be this hook in, 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 as a message in your mind, in your heart tonight. Grit, it's not a biblical word necessarily, but it's a biblical concept. So if you're looking for a definition of grit, here's a fuller definition from what I gave earlier. Grit is unyielding courage. Grit is... It's the resolve that you have in the face of hardship and danger. Grit, it's, it's your strength of character. Grit, it's, it's the tenacity that you have. It's, grit, it's, it's holding on. It's, it's carrying on. It's not giving up. That's what grit is. And I believe that grit is what we have to bring to the table. It's, it's desire. It's effort. It's determination that works hand in hand with the grace of God. It takes both of these things in order to be successful in your walk with God. Paul said, God gave me grace. I gave him a no quit attitude. I, I brought some tenacity to it. I brought some courage. I brought some grit to the table. I brought some effort to the fact that God showed me grace. I, I labored more abundantly than they all. Grit is what I'm bringing to the table. Now, Paul, I, I think, I, honestly, I think Paul was a genius in, in, what, in some ways. We see he, he spoke at least three languages that we know of. He spoke uh, Hebrew. Wrote, wrote his letters in Hebrew. He, uh, he spoke Aramaic, which was the common language of the day. And then he, he spoke uh, Greek as well. He, uh, 
He was, uh, we, we do know that he didn't speak, uh, there was one language that he didn't speak, uh, which was the language of the Lyconians. It's in Acts 14, 11. It says I couldn't understand them. He was a student, though. Uh, adding to that, he was a student at the feet of Gamaliel. He was the leading theologian of the day. If you look carefully at Paul's life, you'll discover that the secret of his success of as, a man of, as a man of God was this combination of the fact that he had the grace of God and he had grit. He had some things that he brought to the table. Some things that, that he says, God, you showed me grace, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all these talents, all these things that you have given me, and I'm not going to let them go to waste. God, I'm going to apply all the knowledge that you've given me. I'm going to apply all of this, and I'm going to study I'm going to continue to read your word, to dive into it, so that I can have this to be able to share with somebody else. God, I'm going to bring some things to the table myself, so that uh, you know, no, not not of me, not to give me glory and honor, but but so that so that I can go and 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 add to the fact that you showed me grace, and I'm going to work hard at allowing you to use me for your kingdom and your glory. Here's what. Here's what the New Living Translation says for that, uh, that phrase there, I, that I, la- I labored more abundantly than they all. New Living Translation says, I worked harder than any of the other apostles. I, I was out there, I was working hard. His, his life was, it was bearing out this commitment that he had. Here he is, Paul was, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. He was the one, he was a missionary. He said, when the call of God came in my life, I couldn't sit still. Like some of you guys are okay just hanging out here in Jerusalem. I happen to remember the fact that some of you were talking about how Jesus said we need to bring this gospel to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so while you're all hanging out here in Jerusalem, I'm going to go out to Judea. In Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm going to go and I'm going to begin to put some work in. I'm going to go and I'm going to labor in this. I'm going to go and, 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 and God has, has shown me grace. God has called me and he has, he has saved me. But now it's my turn to go and to begin to put some work in on my, uh, you know, my end of the deal. Second Corinthians 11, he, he speaks about how he labors more abundantly and in journeys often. Verse 27, he says, I have lived a life of weariness, of painfulness, of watchings. That means uh, I was up all night during the watch of the night. It was sleepless nights. I, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I, I was fasting uh, often. He's, he's often, or he, he uh, quotes, uh, or says the fact that, says there was a lot of times that I was cold. I was, I was naked. I had no clothes. And then Paul we see the fact that in the midst of all of that, he goes and he starts 14 churches. We have, we have record of at least 14 churches that he starts. Who knows how many churches they started? But we see that at least 14 churches that, that when he would go into a city, he would go in there and he wouldn't leave until they had a church. 
He would leave that city. They had a church. A church. He would eventually maybe come back through, make sure that they're doing well. He tag in with them, write letters to them, make sure that they're doing doing well. Uh, but but he, he was his his main job was I'm going to go into a city and I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to start a church. I'm going to look for a pastor. I'm going to leave this church under his leadership, under his guidance, and then I'm going to move on and I'm going to start another church. When he's in Corinth. He was a bivocational man. He worked another job. He was birthing a church there in Corinth with the help of Aquila and Priscilla. He goes in there. According to my studies, I could see through the travels of Paul that his three missionary journeys, his first three missionary journeys that he had, 9,450 miles that he traveled. That was journeys that he traveled on foot, on horseback, by boat. Some say that, that in his lifetime he, he likely traveled over 13,000 miles. And that's not in a car. That's not in an, air, air, in an airplane where you're getting frequent flyer miles. He, he's traveling a long ways, 13,000 miles. And as an apostle, he wasn't doing this on some, on some other man's foundation. He was, he was putting the work in himself. And oh yeah, in his spare time, in his spare time, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. All of this, he's writing with his vast knowledge of the Old Testament. Yeah, I was curious because I know that Paul, he quotes the Old Testament often, and so I looked it up. According to the Bible.org, he quotes from the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, first five books of the Old Testament. He quotes from the Torah at least 45 times in his writings. He quotes the prophets at least 53 times. Isaiah, 36 times. He quotes from the Psalms uh, 23 times. Some other books uh, from the Old Testament at least 10 times. You say, well, that's, that's interesting. You know, he's looking through all these books. No, he probably, I, I would be very, very surprised if Paul had, in all of his traveling, this huge bag of all these scrolls from all these books. While he's in prison, you know, he just, they, they just, you know, keep bringing him the scrolls of all these Old Testament. No, no, he didn't have all that. He had put in the work. He says, God, you saved me. Now let me get to work to dig out the gospel. To dig out the truth that you have in this wor- in this book right here, God. I want to do the work. I want to have enough grit to get in and to say, God, bring me revelation. God, show me what it is that you have to offer me so that I can go and bring this wonderful news to these lost people. We see when he goes into Mars, uh, or, or, or into Athens on Mars Hill. Uh, he's, on, he's on Mars Hill. And he begins a discussion with these with these people that are um, uh, the uh, the philosophers of the day, and he begins, and we see in his in his uh, what's what's written out in the book of Acts um, that he's quoting from their philosophers of that day. He, he he's pulling quotes from the philosophers that they knew. Why? Because he had enough grit to say, God, I. I'm going to put in some work of my own. God, you showed me enough grace to save me. Now let me begin to go to work. I'm not just going to sit back and always be somebody who's just being fed. Come on, this is what this is all about tonight. 
I don't want to be somebody who's just going to come and receive the grace of God and to just be somebody who's going to be a consumer all the time. But God, I want to be somebody who gets to work, who goes and I begin to pour into others. And I'm here and I'm studying the word of God. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm putting my in, my stuff in. You know, on what, what I can do, God, you showed me grace. So now let me begin to go and to do the work as well. Come on, I just believe that, that, that even though Paul, he was obviously somebody who was very gifted and God had showed him many things, that he took all that and he says, God, now let me continue to work harder than anybody else. I am going to do this because there is a world out there that needs to hear about this wonderful message that I have been uh, been gifted and allowed, or uh, your, your grace has shown down on me. God, and so I need to go and to tell somebody else about it. And we even see the Apostle Peter, he even spoke about Paul's writings. He said the Apostle Paul said some things that are really hard to understand. That's what Peter had to say. Now, if the Apostle Peter said that Paul's writings had some things that are hard to wrap your brain around, he said that some people, they, they twist the things, you know, if they're unlearned, if they're unstable. And Paul, he's just this, he, he said, this is, it backs up the fact that he, what he said about, I labored more abundantly than they all. I put in the work. I, I can hope that you, 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 want, you can understand tonight what I'm saying is, is I'm going to try to bring some practical points here, is, uh, here tonight as I start to bring this to a close, that grace is a gift that you cannot give yourself. Grace, it it comes from God. It's undeserved. It's what God gives to you that will save you, it will deliver you, it will strengthen you. It comes from God alone. And in the end, it's the grace of God that makes you a success. Your brains, your brawn is only going to get you so far in life. But, you have to bring the blood, the sweat, the tears, the discipline, the work ethic. When you've got to bring something to the table. The Bible says that we are laborers together with God. And the last time that I checked, the word labor means work. And if you're ever going to accomplish something in your life, if you're ever going to be successful in any facet of life, you've got to have the grace of God and you've got to have some grit in your life, some determination, a work ethic, some discipline. Come on, you've got to bring some grit to it and to say, come on, I'm going to have the tenacity to endure, to succeed and not quit. I'm not going to be a quitter. Paul, he wrote to the Galatians, he says, don't be weary in your well-doing. Well, that's what we have to do. Don't quit. Don't give up in the midst of adversity. Don't give up. You need to have some grit on your end. But it also takes grace from which God will strengthen you to do things that you never thought that you could do. So I just want to say very practically here tonight that if you think that you are God's gift to your company and your community and your church. Well, think again. God brings the gift. But we people, we need to bring some grit to it. And you, can, you can talk in tongues all night long. But if you have, if you're a student here tonight and you've got, you've got a test in the morning. And you didn't study at all. I know that there's the gift of 
the spiritual gifting of wisdom and knowledge. But unless you put the actual study in, unless you put some grit in and did some, did some of the work on your own beforehand, God's not going to just download all that stuff that you didn't study. The same is true in our, in our lives. Sometimes there's things that we're going through and, and God's saying, come on, you need to have some grit. Let's go through this. I know that it's getting tough right now, but let's keep, let's stick it out. Come on, how about you begin to get on your knees and you pray about the situation instead of just going through life and just expecting, come on, that I'm going to just save you from it each time. How about you, how about you spend some time in prayer and then develop a relationship enough to realize that I'm walking with you through the situation. God doesn't always deliver you from the situation, but sometimes he walks with you through it. God is, is there with you. Well, there's, there's some things that we need to bring to the table. I, I, I believe every successful person that I know, they would say that they were not a self-made person. First of all, they were not a self-made person. They realized this, the grace of God in their lives. But just like Paul, they brought something to the table. They worked hard. They were hard workers. And I believe, I just happen to believe that every apostolic born-again person should be the best students when we're heading into school. I believe that they should be the best students, that we should be the best workers, that we should be the best people in the world. We should bring more grit to the table than anybody else. Because we have been a recipient of grace. He has empowered us. He is empowering us. And so now let's provide some grit to it on our end. I'm talking about we should be dependable people. We should be faithful. Dependability is it's, it's, fulfilling, it's fulfilling the things that I agreed to do. Well, it, it may require some unexpected sacrifice, but I'm going to fulfill the thing that I agreed to do. I'm dependable. Amen. Here's the thing. It, it, it appears to me that grace is God's gift to you. Grit is your gift to God. Paul said, God gave me grace. I gave him grit. And then God gave me grace again. It's fascinating. If you, if you just look at that, 1 Corinthians 15.10. Again, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And then, and then he says, and, and I, I like this, I believe, I believe that scripture is the inspired word of God. That Paul, when he writes this here, it's not just him saying it, but I believe that God inspires, God inspired him to write this here. He says, when I labored more abundantly than they all, yet... Not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. It's not grace without grit. It's not grit without grace. It's the complement of our grit being empowered by the grace of God. So if you're here tonight and you're saying, I'm feeling tired. I want you to know that God, he has grace for you here tonight. That God can, he could. He can come and he can continues to sustain you. I believe that repentance is a trigger that releases the grace of God into your life to save you. I believe that, that there are so many people that they, they stubbornly hold back 
the grace of God, hold back those things, and they won't humble themselves to turn away from their sins. But what I have learned about prayer is that there are some things about prayer that, that you know, it, it like drains you. There's also prayer that lifts you up and sustains you. And I believe that here tonight, here we, we just have just a few moments if we want to, if we want to just allow God to begin to sustain you. And you're saying, I, I, here I am, and, and I, I, I've been putting in some work, and, and I have some grit. And I believe that there are, I'm, I'm thankful that we have a church that does have people with grit. And that are bringing things to the table. And you've been working for the kingdom of God. And you're not just somebody who's sitting back and always just receiving. Well, not, not I believe that's, that's almost, it's almost just cutting God short. If all we do is just receive his grace and then just sit back and do nothing with it. If I'm being honest, I, I, I believe that, that God is, is disappointed with the fact that we would just sit back and do nothing with the fact that he saved us from our sins. I believe that, that all of us are called to go and to, to offer something for the fact that he saved me. He showed me grace. But in the midst of your working and those who are putting in the work and, and doing things for the kingdom of God, it sometimes does get exhausting. And God wants to say here tonight, I have grace again. I still have grace that in your weakness, that in the midst of this, I, I see the work, I see the grit that you've been putting in. I see all of that. Now, how about you be renewed in grace? Well, and it's, it's I, I have grace not just at the beginning, but, but also right now to renew you in the midst of all of this effort that you've been putting forth. I have grace to sustain you. Well, so as I call you tonight, if, if we could just all stand here in this place. So I call you to respond tonight and just allow the Lord to release his grace into your life. I, I just want to say that God is looking for your grit, but he also wants you to realize that your grit has limits. So they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Or if we could just wait upon the Lord here tonight, or we may not have any, any music, any of that, and that's all right. Amen. This we just, we just want to spend some time. I just want to wonder if somebody could just cry out to the Lord tonight. Well, waiting on the Lord, it's not just sitting around wondering when things will happen. Waiting on the Lord, saying, God, I trust you. God, I have nothing else to offer. God, or I may feel like I have nothing else to offer, but I realize, God, that you can sustain me. Come on, that's waiting on the Lord. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for your grace, Lord, that you would just come. God, as I've been working, as I've been doing things for your kingdom, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to give me grace right now. Lord, lift me up, lift up my spirit. God, help me, Lord Jesus, to feel your grace once again, Lord, to, to know, Lord, that in my weakness, God, you are made strong. Lord, if you're here tonight and you don't even know what that grace feels like, that experience is like, Lord, he's here. Well, he can extend his grace to you right now. If you've never repented of your sins, if you want to just say and realize, God, in the midst of my sinfulness, in the midst of all of that, God, I see a path forward. Oh, and that's by surrendering myself to you. Well, God can show you grace like you've never experienced before. God can extend his grace down right now.
If you could just repent of your sins. Repentance is just a mere fact of saying, God, I'm broken. God, I need you. God, I'm sick and tired of trying to do this on my own, of all just grit on my part. God, of going through life, God, from one thing to the next. God, trying to do it all, Lord, with what I can bring to the table. God, I, I have some things to bring to the table. God, but I need your grace. God, I need your forgiveness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. This is wonderful. If you just keep continuing, amen, to cry out to the Lord here tonight. Hallelujah.